conversation between the Lord and Moses. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will I know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people? Can you pull this mic down just a tad, Brandon? How will I know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else would distinguish us and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this is so beautiful, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Come on, Lord. Father, we want that compassion, Lord God. Father, we want that favor, Lord God. We want your covering, Lord God. We call you our refuge, Father. You alone, Father, do we put our hope and our confidence, Lord. We are confident because of where our hope is found, Father, in our refuge, the great I Am, Lord. Father, we call on your goodness, Father. We call, Father, just like Moses said, Lord, now show me your glory, God. We need your glory in our lives, Father. Without it, there is no meaning, Lord. Father, we want to hear those words. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name. I love that. The Lord said, I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And that's all Moses needed. For the rest of his life, that's all he would ever need. And that's all we need. Period. Period. Not him and these other things. We don't need anything else if we have Him. Amen? Amen. Y'all can go ahead and be seated this morning. Man, that song just struck a chord in my spirit. How His presence is all we need. And without it, it's not even worth living. It's not even worth living. Without His presence, if His presence doesn't go before us, then don't even send us up from here. Don't even call us, don't, if, if you won't go with us, if you won't go before us. But the good news is, God is faithful, and He's kind, and He wants to pass His goodness before each and every person in this room this morning. That's what God wants to do. I'm not, that wasn't my idea. If you want that, if you would call on God like that in your life, like Moses did, He'll tell you, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. And what happened? God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock. God said, if you saw my face, you would die. But I'm going to let you see. I'm going to put my hand over the cleft of the rock, and I'm going to pass before you. That's as, that's as much as Moses could handle without dying. And that's what we want, Lord. We want to see your face. We want to see your face in our, in our lives. So, Thank you, Pastor David, for addressing COVID so wonderfully, for encouraging us, 
for, I mean, we are not beating around the bush. We're regular people. We love Jesus. We love people. Um, and COVID is a real thing. Right. And we got people in our church that are sick right yes. now. Yes. Our worship team, the, the Lecklers are all out. We got the LaFogs. We've had multiple people. Bill Mayer's now doing well. Arlene's out. You know, we, we're bringing people to the hospital. You know, we, we're in the middle of this fight with y'all. But we at no point are ever going to bow in fear. No. That will not happen here. So if you want to find some group of people that will huddle in a corner and cry and, and be all terrified of COVID, you're really at the wrong place because it won't happen here. That's right. And that's not insensitive. We are under attack. The people of this earth are under attack. Yes. The devil hates people. He will do anything and everything to destroy mankind. And he has people on this earth that he can use readily, that are readily available for his purposes. And we, we understand there's a threat. We understand that we're in danger. We understand all of that. We're not immune to it. We're not immune to, to the pain. We're not immune to the sickness. We're not immune. But we will not be afraid of it. We will not do it. And let me tell you something. That makes the hairs on the devil's neck stand up at attention and enrages him that we will not bow. Throw us in the fire. We will not bow. We're not going to do it. Okay? You need to get that kind of fight in your spirit. You need to put your foot down and say, no, you will not pass. You will not have my family. You will not have our church. You will not have my friends. You will not have my job. You will not take my house. You will not take my kids. You're not going to have it. You're not going to touch it as long as I'm standing in your way. You can take me out, but we're not going to bow. We're not going to hand over anything to you. We will not compromise. Everything that we were before COVID is exactly what we're going to be right now. And it won't be any different. Now look, not everybody's going to like that, and not everybody has to come. And that's okay. I'm sorry. I don't know where all this is coming from, but there is a lot of frustration, if you can't tell. But I really, I believe my heart is right in this, that you see not just our church, churches all over the world that are being decimated, that they are empty on Sunday mornings because people are terrified of COVID. They're, they're terrified of getting in trouble. They're terrified of getting the guilt trip. They're terrified of the peer pressure. They're terrified. Everybody's terrified. We're not terrified. And you know what? At times that can come across harsh. That can come across insensitive. But please understand, that is not, that's not the, we're not prideful here. We just want to see the work of God continue under every attack that the enemy wants to throw our way. And look, we know that there's going to be some collateral damage. Imagine the believers gathering, okay? And they're, they're going to get arrested. They're going to get beaten. Their kids are going to get taken away. And they're going to go to prison. And they're going to be killed if they get caught gathering. Imagine being the pastor who says, Look, y'all, I know some of y'all might die. Some of y'all might get caught getting here. But we have to do this. How would you like to be that pastor? That's a small church, too, by the way. <laughs> when they got to put their phones in the bathtub and cover them with aluminum foil and then go 
three houses down and then go into the back of the house and pull the curtains and check everybody, make sure there's no plants in the house that would rat on them. You understand where I'm coming from? Y'all think this is something. This is nothing. If anything, this is just the beginning. If this thing doesn't turn around, which I'm still fighting for, believing, and praying, and standing in faith, God, you can turn this thing around. But don't think for a second that this is, as, if we could just get through this, if we could just make it to September, we'll be, come on, don't kid yourself. The DHS is already calling you a terror threat if you don't comply to COVID restrictions. Okay? I won't get in all of that, but don't kid yourself into thinking that we just got to just do what they tell us to do and then we'll just, everything will be better. The devil doesn't want anything to be better. He wants the church decimated. Okay? So I just wanted to thank Pastor David just for standing in the gap for us, for being brave, for being courageous, for speaking out against fear, because it's a natural thing to be afraid. Okay? It's natural. It's okay even to struggle with fear. We're not condemning anybody because you might struggle with fear. That's a natural feeling. When you're, under, when you're at risk, it's natural to be afraid for your family, for your kids, for your loved ones, for yourself. It's a natural lean. But we have a supernatural God and a supernatural path that we can take by faith that says, despite the fear, I'm going to go into the storm. Amen? I want to read John 1.16 to you guys. It says, For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, this is the amplified version, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. In the Matthew Henry commentary on this scripture, says, the blessing received is grace. It is grace. The good will of God towards us and the good work of God in us. God's good will works the good work. And then the good work qualifies us for even further tokens of his good will. As the cistern receives water from the fullness of the fountain, the branches sap from the fullness of the root and the air light from the fullness of the sun, so we receive grace from the fullness of Christ. Come on. And what I want to talk to you all about this morning is the wildness and the dangerous and the chaotic times that we're living in right now. We are living in it, and it's no accident that you and me are the ones living here, going through this. That we're the called ones in the middle of the storm. And so the title of what I want to share with you all this morning is Grace for Such a Time as This. We're partnering two truths here. For one, there's no coincidence that you're here, and you're here for such a time as this. For two, God is going to give you the grace that you need to do what you have to do during this time. And without it, really, there's no point in even living. It really isn't. You may as well 
just quit if you don't have the grace of God in your life, moving through your life. So first I want to touch on that such a time as this. Esther 4.14, everybody has heard this, this phrase for such a time as this, you know. And that comes from Esther 4.14. This is Esther's uncle, Mordecai, who sends a message to Queen Esther. She's in the palace. He's not in the palace. He delivers her a message. The Jews are going to be annihilated. There is a scheduled date where Haman, who hates the Jews, is going to annihilate the entire Jewish population. And Mordecai sends this message to Esther, who is now queen over the entire province. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. For just such a time as this. Mordecai could see it. You know, I can imagine that Esther was feeling quite blessed going from being a little town, ordinary girl to queen over all the land. Wouldn't you feel blessed? You're like, wow, I'm so blessed. God is so good to me. I was nothing and now somebody, look at me. God is so good. She loved you. It was all good, right? But was that all that it was about, right? It wasn't just about her being blessed and having a good life, which she definitely had compared to where she was. It was Mordecai who reminded her that she was called. And it wasn't just to be blessed. She was called. She had a great, and I have it in all caps in my notes, she had a great responsibility. And she didn't get put in that position on her own. God put her in that position. But he didn't just put her in that position so she could have a good life. She didn't know that going into it. She wasn't going into it like, man, I bet you there's going to be a real big threat and God's putting me in position so that I can be the vessel that he uses to deliver the entire nation of Israel. No, I'm sure she was like, wow, he chose me. I'm so pretty and this is amazing. And Mordecai, this is amazing. I mean, we're good. Right? I'm so blessed. I'm queen now. I've ascended from my lowly place. She may have felt really blessed, but it was much greater than that. And, and God had the plan from the beginning. So let's compare that maybe to ourselves. What is one thing that you will always hear about Americans if you're a Christian? We're so blessed. We're so blessed in America. We're wealthy. We're free. We can be whatever we want. We can build a house. We can go to college. We can have kids, as many as we want. Not like in China where you can only have one. And then they kill all the rest of your babies or whatever it is. We can do whatever we want. We can live free. We can say whatever we want for the moment, right? We're so blessed. People in the whole world look at us and say, you don't know how blessed you are. Think about how all the people in Israel were looking at, well, they were all exiles. They weren't in the nation of Israel, but they were looking at Esther like, she's so blessed. Wow, one of our own made it to the big leagues graduated up from the common folks into the royalty. Wow, 
We're so happy for you. Maybe there was some that were jealous. But boy, is she blessed. Right? And we are blessed. As a nation, we're blessed. But are we just blessed just to be blessed? What makes me any better than a believer in uh, China right now who has to go hide to go gather with the believers if it's not part of the state-run, state-censored, state-controlled church? You know? Why? I'm not better than they are for sure. In fact, I would say with a very large amount of confidence that they have a lot more faith than I do and are much more pleasing to God because they endure under much more heavy circumstances than I do. I feel like I fold so easy sometimes. Rachel had work last night. I'm watching the kids all day. And that's not my favorite thing to do all the time. I just, you know, I want to, like, do things. and You know what I mean? But, but then I can't do much because I'm just watching the kids and, building a relationship with them, which is awesome, and that's what I should be so thankful for. But even just that, I told Rachel, she, by the time she got home, I'm like, I'm bored, feel like I'm wasting my life away. Look, I'm being really transparent with y'all. I'm babysitting. And as a 36-year-old man, I don't feel like babysitting. Even though they're my own kids, and I love them to death, I would die for those kids. I will die for those kids. That's how much I love them. But it's hard for me just to stay home and watch them and live with them, you know, sometimes. It's just me being really transparent. If y'all can forgive me. I know I'm pathetic. I am. (laughs) Sad. I am. Thank you for laughing. If y'all wouldn't have laughed, I'd have been like, they really think I'm pathetic. But I am. I'm pathetic, man. I'm weak. I'm so weak. But God is not weak, and he's with me. So... This is what needs to happen. First, we need to know that we're called and that we're not just blessed just to be blessed. We're called. Esther was called. She needed to be reminded that you're called. And if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance for the Jews will arise from someplace else. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made an American for just a time as this. And it's not just American. Y'all know what I'm saying. First and foremost, you're called as a, as a Christ follower in 2021. Who knows if you were made a 2021 human being for just a time as this. Who knows if you were made and called to Christ for just a time as this. Who knows if you were living in Covington, Abita, Mandeville for just a time as this. Who knows if your kids were in the St. Tammany Parish school system for such a time as this. Y'all see where I'm going? Who knows if you were a teenager for just a time as this, a young adult for just a time as this, a new parent for just a time as this, a grandparent for just a time as this. We all have a calling Here's my point. Whatever stage, whatever niche that you fit into, there was one position of queen. There was one person that God raised up into that position. And there was one calling for her. And she needed to recognize that and, and realize that if I don't do what you want, God, and if, you're, if, I don't, if your presence isn't going before me, 
because I'm obeying you, then this life isn't even worth living. Being queen's not worth living. It would be better for me to go before the king and be killed than to disobey so I can live a good life. You follow me? It would be better for us to find out, Lord, we are called for such a time as this. We're in the Tabernacle Church right now on a Sunday morning under great leadership for such a time as this. Lord, what do we need to do? How much will it cost? We'll pay it. Whatever it takes. How much time? How much money? How much risk? Am I in danger? What's the, what's the danger? And, and the entire time, you're counting the cost, but you're saying, I'll do it. Because you know what? To, the, the other option isn't even worth living. It's not even worth living. I want to do what God's called me to do right now. Otherwise, your presence isn't with me, and this life isn't even worth living. So what I want to focus on now, I want to switch gears. That was really just emphasizing how we are called right now for such a time as this. You, you were called for such a time as this. Not just Queen Esther, but you. You have a unique fit in the relationships that you have, in the acquaintances that you have, in your job, in your experience, in your age, and your, you know, all of these things that make you you, and you have an impact on people that nobody else does. You have an impact on circumstances that nobody else does. And we need to find out what that is, Lord. But then we can't go without His presence. We can't even attempt it. Don't even try. And if you find yourself fighting and trying, and it, does a very ha- it happens very often, that was me watching my kid yesterday. Without God's grace. I was not walking in God's grace. I was just, well, if, he, if I was, I wasn't doing it consciously. You know what I'm saying? God was sliding over and covering me, you know, without me even knowing. Because he is merciful and he's faithful and he takes care of us even when we can't take care of ourselves. But I wasn't embracing God's grace on my life in that moment. But that moment is exactly where I needed to be. Nowhere else on this planet should I have been but right there. I just needed to take hold of God's grace and walk in that. That's the only way I could have truly fulfilled what needed to be fulfilled in that, in, in that day. So the first t- thing I want to talk about is how, trading, um, how we receive God's grace and how we're trading fear for confidence when we walk in God's grace. Grace to combat fear. You know, people do crazy things when they're fearful and they're panicking. They don't think right. They, I mean, they'll run, they'll turn and run straight into that wall and knock themselves out. If you go into a movie theater and yell, bomb, they, people will die. They'll get trampled to death. They'll have a panic attack. It, it will happen. Fear can be extremely, extremely destructive to helping us accomplish what it is that we need to accomplish. Not only would we not be heading in the right direction and moving forward, but we'd actually be going backwards and causing destruction just by walking in fear. 
So that's something that we, I'm, and I, like I said, I thanked you for it earlier, Pastor David, but fear is the number one enemy right now in the world of COVID, let's just say it like yes. that. And he has attacked that fear from uh, February, March of 2020 and has never let up on it. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, but fear is the opposite of believing God. Yes. Fear, like I said, is it's, it's natural. You're naturally seeing, taking in the circumstances and what's going on around you, and you're, you're interpreting those, and then you're fearful based on your interpretation of those circumstances. But there's a supernatural path that we have available to us that doesn't stop at the circumstances. We don't ignore the circumstances. We see the circumstances, but then we see the God that's over all of the circumstances. We see Jesus sleeping in the bottom of the boat when the boat's about to sink. I mean, the boat is about to sink. They didn't have life jackets, right? They didn't have, well, you got eight, or you got, what, 13 people on the boat, so you need to have 13 life jackets, and then wildlife doesn't pull up to make sure you got your life jackets. If the boat sank, they were dead. That was a legitimate yeah. fear. Yes. And Jesus is sleeping in the bottom of the yeah. boat. And then he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their fear. Like, don't you know who you're with yet? Yeah. Aren't you getting it yet? That this is how it works. I wake up, you're freaking out and panicking. I wake up and I say, peace be still. And I stop the weather in its tracks. Yeah. We're not going to have enough food. He multiplies it and feeds thousands of people. He's like, don't you get it yet? Yes. I'm giving you the opportunity to graduate from this life of fear that you're stuck in, yes. where you just wallow in despair based on the circumstances. We don't have enough food. There's a storm. We're in trouble. They're a threat. You're at risk. And he's saying, come up here. Come up here. Come up here. I can't get COVID. God's like, I can't be affected by COVID. I can raise dead people. I can do anything. Come up here with me. Yes. Come take a nap at the bottom of the boat with me. That's the invitation. Yes. But naturally, we're stuck in panic mode. Um, when, I, when I gave my life to Christ, and I think I've shared this with you guys before, but I was in the FEMA trailer, right, in 2006, April 22nd, 2006, and I was in panic mode, but I didn't have Jesus. And I kind of sort of panicked my way to Jesus. <laughs> like, my life's over, I'm going to be homeless, I'm going to die, you know, it's just I'm 20 years old and I never thought my life could get this bad, right? So I run to the feet of Jesus, I surrender my life to Christ, and I knew I needed to do it anyway, and he was only there loving me and making himself available to me. And I'm like, why would I even resist this anymore? I'm destroying myself. And he's over here loving me, and he has the best for me, and he can do anything. And I'm sitting here. It's like, okay, now it's a no-brainer. I, I just went and I surrendered my life to him. So after that, it was the most incredible experience, one of the most incredible experiences of my life. I literally just felt him washing over me like the prodigal son when the father fell on him and hugged him and then kissed him, embraced him, um, had compassion on him. I, you know, it's so crazy because legitimate visions, I was having legitimate visions in this little 
eight by eight FEMA trailer bedroom laying in the bed, but it was like the roof was, the ceiling was peeled back and a big old bucket was just dumped into my room and just filled it up all the way to the top. And I just felt this washing over me and the weightlessness of just floating and just being free, like him just removing all the burdens and all the pain and all the, all of it. It was just incredible. And so that was amazing. And then I told God after all that kind of settled down and my mind wanted to wander back to my situation, I'm like, but God, I'm in such a predicament. And I have no idea how to get out of it. I have really made a mess of my life. And I just need to know that it's going to be okay. And if you could just give me a little sign or just something, just to let me know that you hear me and that it's all going to be okay. And I had a vision. And it was me. It was these two ginormous hands. And it was me sitting Indian style in the middle, in the crease between those two hands with my head down just like this. I'll act it out for y'all just for fun, just so y'all can get a little bit of entertainment, okay? So I'm, I'm sitting here just like this, just like they teach you in kindergarten where you got to fold your hands and put them right here between your legs. And, and then my head was down just like this with my eyes closed. And I could see myself just at perfect peace in his hands. And I saw how small I was in those hands. And I thought about whose hands those were. And I was like, oh my goodness, what can get to me now? Who can get inside of those two hands and touch me? I felt untouchable. It was incredible. And then the house burned down across the street and all that craziness if you don't know the story, God gave me the sign that I asked for immediately following. But I shared that story with Rachel on the beach in Destin when we first met. And I was gazing into her crystal blue eyes and her eyebrows were just perfectly plucked and sharp. I remember just gazing into her eyes and I'm telling her my story. And I'm like, what's even happening right now? How is this girl even sitting here talking to me? And she wasn't trying to escape or anything. She was just sitting there listening. And I'm telling her that same story I just told y'all. And she, that's the story that swept her off her feet. I told her. She says it all the time. I remember that time when you were telling me how you were sitting in God's hands. And she's like, he's so cute. You know, I was like. So, hey, look, I didn't know it, but God knew I was going to need that vision to get my wife too. Not only did I need my own, like, grace, God just let me know you're there, but then I got my wife out of that same story. Come on now. Maybe y'all are being touched by that story too right now. So God can take something simple and funny and do a lot of amazing things with it. So that's trading fear for confidence. Man, get the confidence of seeing yourself in the palms of his hands and, and keeping your eye on those hands. That's where your confidence comes from. Little, weak, little kindergarten you sitting there with your eyes closed, like at perfect peace. That's not where your confidence comes from. Your confidence comes from those mighty hands. Amen? So we're going to walk in God's grace. We're going to trade fear for confidence. And the next one I want to talk about is trading burdens for freedom. 
trading burdens from freedom, the weight of just living this life, of carrying the load, of trying to meet expectations, fear of failure, fear of not measuring up, fear of becoming distracted, fear of destroying, you know, all of this weight that we carry in this life. And God's saying, give me that thing. Give me that thing. This ain't all up to you. Give me that thing. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's so wonderful that He makes Himself available to take our burdens and give us rest. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. If you're hard on yourself, it's a sign that you're walking in a lack of grace. Like it's all up to you. And you're hard on yourself. You might be a parent and you see your children and you beat yourself up. You're hard on yourself. That's not walking in God's grace. God's saying, give me that burden of your child. Release them to me. Don't beat yourself up. You know, it might be work stuff. It might be anything that you do where you're just hard on yourself. You know, when you can laugh at yourself and your mistakes, you know, I'm such an idiot. Like, you know, we do this a lot, me and Rachel. She does it more than me because she walks in the grace. I'm just telling you all. But she'll laugh like, man, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe it. And it's funny and we laugh together. But that's a good sign that you're walking in God's grace. Because you realize it's not up to me. I'm just along for the ride. And silly old me, look what I did. You know what I'm saying? Thank God I'm in your hands. Whew. If it wasn't for that, then, then we'd, that's yeah. not funny. If I wasn't in his hands, that's not funny. Yeah. But I'm in his hands. It's funny. Like, man, we're weak. It's okay. Um, for time's sake, I'm going to skip over the next scripture. But if he does, if, he, if you do come to him and he convicts you, there's some legitimate things that you need to repent of, things that you need to change. It's never, when it's from God, it's never this shameful and you're even more hard on yourself. And it's, it's not that kind of pain. It's not. It's, it's more like a calling to a higher place. Yeah. You, you sense the invitation to leave that thing behind. You know, it could be an addiction and you just, just, and you can just sense the Holy Spirit's conviction that's saying, come up here. Leave that behind. You can do it. I'm going to help you do it. Just come on up here. Just follow me. And it's exciting, actually. There's this excitement to leave it behind. And then when you actually leave it behind, it's just, praise and worship and this is just so wonderful and I would want it no other way. Thank you for convicting me, Lord. He gives us His commands and His commands, it's not a burden. It's a joy. 1 John 5, 3, loving God means keeping His commands, His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. It doesn't matter what happened. 
It's gone. The past is in the past. And guess who covers that? God. Guess who can take a bad past and make it do some pretty awesome things? God can do that. How about the future? Who's got the future? God. Whose hands are really good at doing things that make a really great future? God. So that where, where does that leave us for such a time as this? Right here, right now. And we're free. And we can laugh. And we can charge ahead with confidence. Yes. Yes. Amen? Amen? Amen. Y'all can go ahead and bow your heads this morning. So as a reminder, we have a great responsibility. That doesn't go away. But that's not a burden. That's not your burden. Your burden is just to obey. Your burden is just to follow Him. But in following Him, it comes with a great responsibility. It comes with a call. We are no longer our own, the Bible says, that we've been bought with a high price. And it was the price of the blood of His one and only Son. There was no limit to what He would have paid to get you. And it's proven by the cross. If there was no limit to what He would do to save you, there's no limit to what He would do to move in your life. We need to learn how to walk in His grace for such, a time of, for such a time as this. And if not, we're going to become fearful, we're going to become weighed down, and we're going to burn out. And this life's not even going to be worth living. Brandon, you mind playing a little music softly? Isaiah 40, 31. I just want y'all to just listen to this scripture. Just let... The Word of God just wash over your, over your soul. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. For some of you in here, you may hear that and your, your heart is crying out. Your soul is crying out that you need to be renewed. You need that new energy. You need that new confidence, that new peace, that new joy, that new motivation that all comes from a renewed hope. The opportunity to walk in His grace. The opportunity to rest in His hand. The opportunity to have Him as your refuge. If that's you here this morning, I'd like to pray with you this morning. You saw my and, I, and I wanted to end, you know, a couple minutes early just to make some time for this. Because I, I feel like we're in a difficult season. And so, if you feel like, I just need that encouragement. I just need that prayer. To just be able to walk in His grace. To be free from all the burdens. 
of this world, to be free from fear, to be free from bondage of trying to measure up, and just be free to live this day as unto the Lord, and receive His supernatural power to do it. If that's you here this morning, I'd like you to come forward so that we can pray over you.